Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank and I'm the host of the show. I discuss and review movies new and old. You can watch the show on YouTube, X, and Facebook under the title, the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review the show on your app of choice. You can email the show at bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Please visit the podcast website. That is letmebendyourear.com. All the episodes are available there. On this episode, I'm going to review The Killer, directed by David Fincher and streaming on Netflix. So David Fincher, if you are a cinephile or movie fan of any kind, uh, you are familiar with his work. He started as a commercial, I think a commercial director, but definitely a music video director. The most famous video I know he directed was Vogue, the Madonna video. I think that was 1990. And then through the 90s, he started making features, I think starting with Alien 3, I believe, was his first film. One of the most famous films he's known for is Fight Club, which came out in 1999, the Brad Pitt, Michael, Michael, Edward Norton film. Shockingly, I have never seen that movie. At some point, I'm going to have to watch it and review it for the podcast. It's definitely a blind spot for me. I've never seen that particular film. And of course, he's known for other ones as well, Zodiac. Mank, which was also on Netflix as well. And, and 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 he doesn't put out a lot of films. He takes a long break in between films. He doesn't really make a lot of movies uh, back to back to back. Uh, but obviously uh, a director of, of, of renown. And I'll get into, when I get into the review of the movie, I'll get into my feelings about his work recently, but I'll get more into that later. But this film, The Killer, was made specifically for Netflix, like I said, like his previous film, Mank, which was the story of of uh, Herman J. Mankiewicz, who co-wrote the screenplay for Citizen Kane with Orson Welles uh, that starred Gary Oldman. I think that came out in 2020, 2019, I have to double check. So this film was made for Netflix as well. So I know it's based on a book. I don't know the author of the book, didn't read the book, so I don't know the story other than this movie came out. There was a lot of buzz surrounding this movie, I think, earlier this year. One, because it's a David Fincher film and, and, and cinephiles and critics are big fans of his work. And uh, it, it garnered a lot of attention. So I was looking forward to seeing it uh, to see what it's going to be about. So I checked it out a few weeks ago, just getting around to doing the review. So as the movie opens, it opens in Paris. And we have a character just known as the killer. I think they say his name in the movie, but it's not really important. There's a running joke that I'll get to in a minute, which is actually very funny. But he is on a stakeout for an assassination. So obviously he's a hitman. So you're introduced to the character of the killer played by Michael Fassbender. And the movie takes its time to show how meticulous he is about how he plans, prepares, and executes these hits that he's hired to do. So... The opening of the film set in Paris, beautiful scenery. He's there. He's uh, he's parked in a building across from a, a building where the target is going to be at. And as the time comes, he's getting ready. He's loading his rifle, just methodically going through what he needs to do to get this job done. And when he's about to execute the hit and fires his weapon... He misses the target and hits a bystander. So this gentleman is, in, is 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 entertaining a prostitute who's like a dominatrix. And she's doing her thing and he hits her instead of the target. So obviously this is bad. 
and he quickly escapes the scene and that's the setup and the start of the movie so obviously there's issues here he missed the target and killed somebody else so two problems so of course the way the movie explains it in this line of work uh, this is something that uh, is unacceptable and when this happens the the result of that happening obviously unlike a real job where you maybe would get fired if you did something wrong they're looking to eliminate you so that's the that's the price you pay for something like this happening so it is a movie where uh they are coming after him so he immediately hightails it out of france and the running joke that i was referring to a moment ago is and if you have to be definitely someone my age or someone that loves tv land but there's a running joke through the film so he's got all these he travels all around the world so of course like the typical movie with the hitman you know he's got the trunk of multiple passports multiple forms of currency all this kind of stuff and aliases but every alias is every alias he uses is essentially a character from a 70s sitcom or a 70s comedy show so one i only give one because i don't want to give them all away because it's actually really funny the, my, one of my favorite ones was archibald bunker was one of his aliases which of course is archie bunker from all in the family so made me laugh hilarious every time he pops a new alias with that you're waiting to see what the next one is but uh, that was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie that running joke that was going through there that was pretty funny so of course he is on the run and uh trying to figure out what to do so one of the first things that happens after he takes off is a team is sent to his house that he has in the Dominican Republic. So he has a a girlfriend, wife. I don't even know if they ever clarify that. So she's there at his house in the Dominican Republic. They come in. They, uh, they attack her, beat her pretty bad, and uh, put her in the hospital trying to find him. So he goes back to the Dominican Republic. He finds out what happens and uh, sees, you know, ch- to check on her. And then it becomes essentially a revenge movie after that. So obviously his goal now is to go up the ladder to find out who the client is. Because, of course, in this business, you don't know who hired him. Because there's levels of people that it gets to from the client to the hitman. The hitman never knows who the client is for obvious reasons. So his mission now is to try to get to that and basically kill every person that was involved in hurting his girlfriend. So that's it's a simple, straightforward story, not too complicated. That's pretty much it. So you've got Fassbender going around the world. He goes to Florida. He goes to different places, Louisiana. You know, he he meets the different levels of people that are involved in his profession and specifically this job that went wrong. So the things that I liked about the killer, well, the main thing I liked about the killer is is Fassbender's performance in the film. He's fantastic. And it's a largely silent performance. So where you hear him is through voiceover. So it's really, I don't know if it's internal monologue or whatever it is, but it's or narration. I don't know what you would qualify that as. You'd have to ask Fincher for that. But he's telling you what's in his thoughts. He's telling you his meticulous way of how he does things, how he doesn't take things personally, how it's just business, how if you let emotions get in the way, you are done. And that's a continuing theme, even though he's basically on a revenge mission and doing this for quote unquote emotional reasons because he would just let it go 
if that was the case. But of course, if they're coming after him, you really can't let it go. But, you know, the voiceover is fine. I don't have an issue with that. He gives a great, it's a really almost a silent movie performance. Like I said, anything where where the action is current, it's it's dialogue free. He has a few lines when he's interacting with other people, but it's very few and far between. So it's a, it's a, it's a largely physical performance and he's fantastic and he does a great job. He's a great actor. So that's not surprising to me at all. He does a wonderful job. And um, you have other great actors in the movie as well. You have uh, Charles Parnell, who I'm getting to know better as an actor. He was actually in Top Gun Maverick, and he's fantastic. He's great here, too. So he plays Hodges, who's the lawyer that hooks him up, the killer up with clients, or kind of the facilitator, his agent, if you will, uh, of that. And then you've got uh, the great Tilda Swinton that comes in later in the film. Uh, they have a fantastic scene between the killer and her in a restaurant towards the end of the film, which is phenomenal. And she's always fantastic. So her being in the film is always an asset. So like I said, it's it's the performances are great. The locations are great. It's well done that way. So that's what I liked about it. Now, my issues with this film, and I think it's the same issues I've had with Fincher going all the way back to Zodiac. So now to take a little sidebar on Zodiac, I've never reviewed that for this podcast. And I saw Zodiac a long time ago. And Zodiac is one of the most acclaimed movies, I think, in the last 15, 20 years. You know, you had Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, had a huge cast. And I don't even remember all the people who are in it. Obviously, it's about the Zodiac killer. Critically acclaimed. I found the movie to be slow. Great performances, but I just found it to be... For a movie about a serial killer, I found it to be very dry and slow. So for me and David Fincher, I think the films he's made over the last few years, and I haven't seen all of them. There may be a couple that I'm missing. But he doesn't, like I said, his output is not that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Can't think of the adjective. But it's not, he doesn't put out a lot of films back to back to back. He doesn't do it. He takes years in between. So with Zodiac and then with Mank, which I did review for this podcast, you can go back and listen to that episode as well. I don't have the number here, but it's there in the back catalog. The same issues I have with Mank, I think I have with The Killer. So again, great performances out of the actors. It's just, for me, this movie, just like Mank before it, was just, it's it's too, I don't even know what the word is. I don't know if it's slow or or it just doesn't engage me like I think it should. With such a great performance and, you know, Hitman movies are usually, you know, relatively edge of your seat, kind of exciting. But th- these are slow. And I don't mind slow in the sense that if it's contemplative or something that it's really diving into something. Look, this is I'm the guy that loves the three and a half hour Irishman which most people think is like, not most people, but a lot of people think is, think is like watching grass grow. I love The Irishman. I thought it was riveting from beginning to end. So that's an example of a movie that, you know, much longer than this one, the killer clocks in at an hour and 58 minutes, which is fine. Um, but it just didn't move like I wanted it to move. And this is the same issue I had with Mank. Uh, again, a great lead performance by Gary Oldman and, and other cast members in there, but it just didn't, it didn't hit me or move me in the way that I think it should. 
And that's the issue I have with The Killer. I, I watched it. Like I said, when I watched it a couple of weeks ago, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. I definitely don't think it's a great movie. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I haven't read the critical reviews of it. I've seen some, you know, the blurbs that they put on the movie posters and, you know, they give it, you know, effusive praise, one of the best movies of the year. I, I don't think it's one of the best movies of the year. I, I just don't. Uh, like I said, I really would just recommend it for the lead performance of Fassbender. And then you get to see Tilda Swinton, who's great in the small part that she has. But again, I, I, I don't know why that is with Fincher. And I'm starting to think, like I said, I, I loved Seven. Never seen Fight Club. Zodiac, that may be a revisit to review for the podcast. So if I do review it for the podcast, I'll watch it again. But I remember my initial reaction because I was very excited to watch that film. Uh, thinking it was going to be phenomenal. I just didn't feel that when I watched it. I just didn't. And I know a lot of people will disagree with me. I know Zodiac, and I know Zodiac didn't do well when it came out, but it's, has uh, had a great cult following, and a lot of people love it. And a lot of people were big fans of Fincher as well. Uh, so I think, like I said, for me, it was, I don't know, it, it, it seemed, it's weird because it's, I feel like with Fincher and is, my criticism of Fincher's movies lately is a similar criticism that people give to Stanley Kubrick, who is one of my favorite directors ever. And the criticism of Kubrick a lot of the times is, and sometimes it's valid, is that his movies have a, they're cold, they're clinical, there's a distance to them. There's not, you don't feel the emotional attachment. Now, that criticism I understand on some, but I don't agree with that with Stanley Kubrick. I do think that his movies have a lot of emotion in them, and I think that it's just there's a distance there. It's just a, it's just whatever his talent was for doing that um, was fantastic. And I would argue with Kubrick, if you want to see Kubrick before, because I think people think of the Kubrick of post-Spartacus or post-actually Dr. Strangelove. So you're starting with 2001, going through his, his movies there from 2001 to Eyes Wide Shut, his last film. I would challenge you to watch The Killing, which is one of the best noir heist movies ever made, which is fantastic. That movie's fantastic. Um, I love it. I think you wouldn't even, if you have this opinion of Stanley Kubrick, um, based on his later films, you watch that film, it'll it'll completely change your outlook. And uh, I love his work. But with Fincher, I think it's, my criticism is the criticism other people have of Kubrick. I think his movies, to me, are kind of cold and clinical they're not it's an observation so basically this movie is an observation of someone that does their job meticulously which can be interesting and is in a lot of aspects interesting because like i said his performance is the best thing about this movie but it's not enough to sustain me for almost two hours without it didn't engage me in the way i wanted it to be engaging and like i said maybe i'm in the minority with that with this film um, I looked at IMDb. It's got a six point something out of 10, I guess, on the aggregate scores that people that have reviewed it. But you can take that for what you want. I don't know what it is on Rotten Tomatoes, but you can take that or leave that for however you value that aggregate uh, source of opinions. I can only go by my thoughts on the film. And for all the critical reviews, I was kind of surprised it was that low score wise. But it, I, I would suspect, and I haven't looked at it, Maybe these are one of these films on Rotten Tomatoes where the critical score is high and the viewer score is a lot lower. And unfortunately, in this case, I would tend to agree more with the 
audience score on this as opposed to the critic score on it. Uh, I, I just, I think that I, I wish it was more engaging than it was. Like I said, it's, I didn't dislike the movie. Uh, the movie is technically well done. Obviously, you know, Fincher has it, you know, like Kubrick, I think he has kind of that reputation of being very methodical. And I th- believe he's a director that does a lot of takes. So you got the you got the one spectrum end of the spectrum, which is Clint Eastwood, who's economical, which is why he can make movies at 93 years old. And Warner Brothers just make, lets him do what he wants because the movie's always coming under budget. And a lot of times, now the last few films haven't done well, but, you know, he'll he'll pop the movies a lower budget in and he'll give you every few years, he'll pop out a hit like American Sniper, which makes $100 million on a $25 million budget. And he cranks them out quick and he's famously known for one take and get out of here. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then you have the other extreme, of course, with Kubrick, who's done up to 50 takes, 100 takes, which I don't know how they can be kind of ridiculous, but his movies are brilliant to me. So I guess you have to, you know, can't argue the result. And I think Fincher is similar that way. I don't know if it's as extreme as Kubrick, but uh, from what I've read, he does do a lot of takes. He's very meticulous about what he wants to do. And that's fine. But at the end of the day, a movie's got to be something that engages me emotionally some way where I'm where I'm locked in. And like I said, that's subjective. Like I said, I, I, I understand that's subjective. And, and for me, though, unfortunately, this particular movie didn't engage me in the way that I was that I was hoping it would. And that's that's a major drawback for me. Again, it's not a terrible movie. It's just there's something missing there that I wish would have engaged me a lot more. So. Again, uh, The Killer, directed by David Fincher, is streaming on Netflix now. Uh, you can watch it. I think it's been out for about a month or so. Uh, so definitely you can check it out if you have it. If you're a fan of his work, I'm, uh, you know, like I said, check it out. It's not, like I said, it's not a terrible movie. It's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. I just wish it had done more uh, for me as far as engaging me and in, in, in what was going on. So I'm going to go ahead and give The Killer three and a half stars uh, out of five. So on that scale, it's a decent movie. I don't consider it a great movie. It's not a movie that I don't think I'd revisit again. Out of three and a half, I wouldn't. Uh, but again, if you're a fan of his work, if you're a fan of Fassbender, who, like I said, I think is great. If, if if you're a fan of his performances, it is worth it for that performance. And like I said, there's some good things about it. But like I said, overall, it's not one that I would wholeheartedly recommend and one that I would not really watch again. So I'm going to go ahead and give The Killer by David Fincher three and a half stars out of five and again you can watch it now on netflix i think it was made for netflix so it's streaming there now and i want to thank you for listening to the show you can follow the show on x instagram youtube and threads the handle for all those platforms is at bend your ear pod please subscribe to the youtube channel and like the facebook page that'll help increase the uh the reach of the show this is a one-man operation, so if you're watching the show on Facebook, YouTube, or X and would like to support the podcast, you can click on the QR code that's right up here on the left, or you can go to the show's X page, again, at Bend Your Ear Pod. If you click over to the profile page on X, there's a tip jar there, and you can uh, contribute if you'd like. This would help cover the cost of hosting the podcast. Again, thank you for listening, and have a great week.